Read Me Romance? Help support our podcast and enter to win an end of summer video chat with your favorite lady DJs. It's the summer reading program. From now until September 1st, you can enter to win by sharing what you've read this summer and tag us. That's it. All you have to do is tag Read Me Romance on social media and we'll add your name into the drawing. Three lucky winners will get to video chat with the hosts of Read Me Romance to talk about books and answer all of your burning romance questions. We really appreciate your support. Hey, lady listeners. What's up, lady DJs? We're here. What's oh, up? I just need to real quick. Sorry. Welcome to the show. Welcome. <laughs> it's yoga <laughs> today. Everybody, we're going to do a cat cow real quick. <laughs> just, to, just to stretch it out, do a little cactus in our seat. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here for a mink week. Which I have so much and for people to go by one name. <laughs> yeah, this is super ballsy. It is ballsy. It's like, like no how, me, how many, bitch. How many can you name? Tijan. 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 But but what about like like celebrities? Like there's probably ten celebrities that you can just call one name. Like of course Oprah. Yeah. Prince. But then Madonna. Yeah, Madonna. Madonna. Prince, Brittany. <laughs> Brittany, yeah. Well, there's people that you Ellen. can say. Yeah, there's people you can say their first name and you know who they are. You know who yeah. they're talking about. Yeah. I, I, don't, I can't name any more than that. Um, I don't know. I Probably about thought about it. I was thinking of authors, though. I don't know a ton of authors that go by one name. Me neither. <laughs> Mink is just doing okay. it. She went so for it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read her bio. have it pulled up here. Okay. Mink writes sweet and salty romances that always satisfy with a happily ever after. Her dream job is editor-in-chief at Cat Fancy, which is a cat. (laughs) And she can be found with a kitty in her lap, her Kindle in her hand, and a cup of coffee steaming next to her. I like that. Yes, me too. (laughs) Uh, So, yes, we have have Mink on the podcast this week. She was a a last-minute replacement, so we're really grateful to have her. And what do we want to talk about? What's what's on your mind? You have a new pair of glasses on, Leah. Oh, we'll just kick off with that if you want. Yeah, so, okay, so I think I mentioned um, before that I broke my glasses during quarantine. I'm really hard on glasses. Like, it I have to go every year and get at least one new pair and I get my like prescription or whatever it is. And so, but I was doing something and I like literally my hand called them and I threw them off my face. I was just like, so, and like the arm broke off of them and I was like, fuck me. And so I didn't want to go in to get them repaired because it's a really small office. And every time I've been in there, it's always been packed. And so I was like, I don't want to go back in and get these fixed or whatever. Like, let me just see if I can get my prescription from them. And so I called and they were like, yeah, no problem. Like they were so nice about it. I don't know why I thought it would be a problem, but clearly that was my own reservations. I don't, have you ever guys ever had, like, did you get shit from your daughters about getting your, uh, your prescription for your eyes? Have you ever gotten shit about that before? I've never asked. I've never asked before, but I thought that they didn't give it to you. I thought it was like, oh no, if you want it, you got to go get it somewhere else. But but it, I don't know. Every year, I, I go through the same shit because they make you renew it. Um, was 
but I did have that. Remember, I remember yep. last year I had that weird thing with my eye Yep, doctor. I remember. Did I ever talk about no, it on the podcast? Mm-hmm. You didn't. I think you were really, really, so, it was still really fresh last year when it happened. And you were like, I'm going to talk about it. And then it came to the day and you were like, I don't know what to say. And I'm still really upset. I think you were, uh, yeah, I yeah. think it just kind of passed. Do you, Is it, it's totally off topic. It's not like related to glass. That's, no, <laughs> go for it. Go for it. Well, last year I went into my optom my my eye doctor and I was just going to order contact lenses and I because like you try to do it from one eight hundred contacts and then they they're like well your doctor has to you know we have to contact your doctor to get your prescription um, so anyways I went in there to try and order them through through the people or through the actual store so that I wouldn't have to like wait a week for all this anyways communication to happen. So I get in there and they're like, oh, your, um, your eyeglasses, uh, your, sorry, your contact lens prescription is expired. Do you want to do a quick exam and have it updated? And I was like, do I have choice? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Here. So I normally, there's a nice woman that I go to in, in the store that I see and I really like her, but this was a different doctor as a man. And I got like a weird feeling immediately and I didn't trust that instinct. Like I just immediately got, I felt weird. Like he started asking me questions I felt were personal for someone I just met. You know, like he was asking me what I do for a living and like stuff that wasn't pertinent. Yeah, it didn't relate at all to your uh, prescription. (laughs) Yeah, Just like delving a little bit too deeply into just everything. And I, uh, so I got, I was being very stiff and standoffish with him because I wanted it to be like, I wanted to put a barrier up and be like, this is not, I I don't want to be friends with you. I just want to get this over with and leave. And that's your right. You can do that. You can, if like, for those of you who listen to the, my favorite murder podcast, they're, you know, they're one of their mottos is fuck politeness because you can it's nice to be polite and everything but if you feel threatened or you feel weird you don't have to be polite you know you can you can be upset and you can let people know that you're not happy that's okay you're that's your right so i i was doing that and he leaked so he did the the exam and then he's like oh there's one more thing i have to do and so he got this instrument out that i didn't recognize and that's probably the point where I should have left. But he got right up in my face with it. And then he put his open mouth on my cheek. Yeah. I told Lee yeah, about Yeah, we were we together. Were and I was like, I was like, okay, show me what he did. I was like, because I hear what you're telling me. But physically show me what he did. And she was like, okay. And she leans up against my face and puts her open mouth right here on my cheek. And I was like, what? Like, I pulled back when you did it. Because I was like, that's so creepy. I could not believe it. Like, and, and to the point that I thought I imagined it. And then he went over to the other eye and he did it again. And I jumped out of the seat and ran out of the office. And then I got outside and I was still second guessing myself. Like, I, it's, I, you know, I feel like, and everybody who listens to this podcast probably assumes I am, a, I, I am a strong woman. I'm very outspoken. I'm not... I'm not afraid of confrontation. I was like, I felt like two inches tall and I felt like I was being hysterical and stupid. Yeah, but your fearful reaction doesn't have anything that doesn't relate to you being a strong, independent woman. It's just a moment 
where, you know, you got in a, a fight or flight situation and you didn't know how to respond. But it's one of these things where it's like, it's really eye-opening because, <laughs> no pun <laughs> it's eye, it is eye-opening though, because you're like, oh my God, like this is not, this is what women feel like. You know, he had me in a closed room and he had sort of a, a, a power over me because I have to get my eye prescription from him. And he abused it. And I, and like, this is someone who now has my home address. And this store is only a half a, half a mile, maybe less from my house. So I didn't do anything about it because that's what, that's, there's, it's fear, you know, like I'm fearful of that, of this man who already is oversteps boundaries and doesn't respect his position to, to do anything to, to call and complain because I'm afraid like to have him come to my house. So like, this is, this is not okay. I'm still like, I know it's a year later, but I still actually am planning on doing something about it. I just have to like figure out what that is and how to do it. Yeah. I was going to say what the, the, the hardest thing would be to figure out how to safely confront something like that. I can see why, even if it was, you were like, it was, I didn't think it was that big of a deal or why was I so hysterical because you're in a room. With somebody you probably don't think that you can overpower. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That's we are, it. We are weaker. You're like, me and you, I'm not going to win. Yes. And so, and then he gaslit me. He like, he, he knew I was upset. He saw me get up and run out of the office. And then the girls who were working outside were like, is everything okay? And I was like, I just want you to write down my prescription right now so I can walk, I, so I can get out of here. I just want to go. I don't want to order anything. Just write it down so I can leave. And he comes out and he's like, oh, I'm sorry about that last, uh, that last instrument can be a little bright on the eyes. I know it. And sorry about that. If that bothered you. And I was like, I I fucking knew what was happening. He was gaslighting me, which I mean, I'm sure all of you know what that means, but it's like basically someone trying to convince you you're being crazy, which is like a typical man move if they're abusive. And, um, it just like, anyways, I guess the point of me telling the story is that if anybody experiences this and feels like shitty for not I guess speaking up or doing something proactive you're not alone you're not alone you you know like we're kind of that's why that's why people get away with things like this is because they do have this power and we do have our fear and it's like we're really it's it sucks but anyways I'm sure people out there I'm sure tons of women out there can relate well nothing even like you said like you assume that just because a woman is you know maybe a, a little direct or like kind of mouthy or whatever it is you know like you would assume that they would stand up for themselves in those moments that you know when it came down to it when it was you know like asked or asked like they would do something you know what I mean like like they would, they wouldn't allow someone to treat them this way, but it is so like, it's awful, you know, and horrifying the amount of women who find themselves in situations like this and are unable to do something, you know, I mean, it, I, I know I've said this before, but you know, I was in an abusive relationship when I was younger, like, you know, and I was like 21 and, and this guy, like, like, I never thought me, Leah, would end up in a relationship like that. And it, I was so deep into it before, you know, it got really, really bad. And I was just like, where, how the fuck did I get here? You know? And it was yeah. that sort of like gaslighting baby steps to it. Like, until you realize like, oh shit, this is really fucking unhealthy and I got to get out of here, you know? 
And luckily, my life didn't continue down that path, you know, and, and I was able to recognize that. But I still don't know if I would be strong enough in that situation you were in, Tessa, to just stand up and be like, get the fuck away from me, you know? Because yeah. it's all about, like, be polite, be calm. You know, you're a woman. Don't be hysterical. Like, be quiet. I hate yeah, that. Yeah, you're be yeah, don't, yeah, don't. Don't be dramatic. And, like, we're told so, don't be dramatic. And we're told so often that we're those things that we try so hard to be the opposite. Do you know what I mean? Because you don't want to be, like, accused of being any of those stereotypes that people have placed on us that aren't, you know, not true. Yeah. Um but like be hysterical anyways be hysterical be loud be bitchy who be gives upset a being scared yeah be loud yeah that's yeah be loud honestly the if you I, are the more people yeah. are gonna look yeah yeah i know it really just i, I kind of like anyways i'm sh- i just feel disappointed in myself but at the same time i understand like a lot more about why people don't do why people don't do you know, speak out as much because of the, the fear of repercussions and stuff like that. And it, anyways, it was, um, a shitty experience, but it also just made me understand what women, women go through pretty frequently. So, um, anyways, that was, let me it, tell you, you know. about my glasses. <laughs> tell me about your glasses. So if you don't want to do this again. <laughs> Back to the topic at hand. I can't believe that like just no, I'm randomly came it. up. It's, it's a great discussion to have. But um, so if you don't want to go into your eye doctor, you can call and get your prescription, which <laughs> I didn't know was a thing. So I called and got it and they emailed it to me and I went to this website called Zenny and they have like $5 frames. <laughs> and I was just like, what the fuck is this black magic? So I put in <laughs> and they give you your prescription. And it's like, it's like 20 numbers when they give it to you. And, but Zenny does a really great job of it looks exactly like the prescription paperwork. So you just put the number in the corresponding slot. And so I wear, I have astigmatism in both my eyes and I wear progressive lenses because my vision is so shitty. So with the, with my terrible prescription, I was still able to get four pairs for like $110. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Like I was really psyched about it. I'm going to, I'm going to get on that because I, I love I love new glasses, but then I always like these, like the ones I'm wearing now. If you're not seeing it, they're like hot pink, and I got another pair that are like a pink leopard print that are super cute. And then I got like these green ones, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna wear those at Christmas," like you know, because it was just like, "Who the fuck cares?" You know, they're so cheap. Just get them all, and (laughs) get them all. There's another one that on Instagram that got me too. It's called Zelu. It's Z E E L O O L. But if you put that in, it's the same thing. Those, those, I ordered those pink leopard prints. They're like three dollars for the frames. And I was like, their lenses were a little bit more for the prescription I had to get, but because I had to get progressive. But, um, but still, I was actually really fearful about the fit of the glasses and how they would look. But if you go on to the glasses on there, they have people who wear them and like post tag them on social media. Anytime you tag them in glasses, they'll they add it to their website so you can see what different people look like wearing these glasses. And I actually, yeah, I actually thought that was the most helpful of anything on the website. I was like, oh, yeah, I can see their different face shapes. So, 
Okay. I'm in. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to actually check that out. I have Warby Parkers that I've heard about I love, them. but, but there's, there, you know, like there are ones that you can't, you can't binge no, them. You can't get a bunch of them because it's and too expensive. And I always expensive. feel so yeah. guilty because I buy two pairs of glasses usually every two years when I get my prescription, when I get it updated. Cause I'm like, well, I need one and I need a backup cause I know I'm going to break one of them. And it's always like 300 bucks and I hate yeah, it. And I was much. just like, Fuck no more. I'm done with that shit. But you know, I remember watching this, and this is such a deep dive into glasses right now. But I remember watching this um, documentary or something. I know what you're where, just where they talked about like, um, is this the one where they like only like two companies make glasses? Yeah, there's like there's like two huge companies that make frames, and that's it. So all of these all of these companies, that's why they're so expensive because they control the market. On what the cost is. Even your designer yeah, frames. Yeah, the designer frames make, like, Gucci and Dior and all of them make the same as, like, Ray-Bans and, you know, like, everybody makes that, those. Like, Gucci sells their label to these two companies, basically, and it's like, here's our design, here's our name, buy it from us and then charge whatever the fuck you want. Well, now Zenny is going to come along yep. and do, like, what Dollar Shave Club exactly. did. Exactly. <laughs> That's it. I mean... It- if you ever seen that... The first commercial for Dollar Shave Club. I'm going to send it to you guys in between um, recordings. Like, it's the best commercial that was ever created. And um, it's what put them on the map. And, like, their 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 owner of this Dollar Shave Club, he's, like, this – he was he was young at the time. I think they've been around for, like, 15 oh, okay. years now. Young and hilarious. Like, very funny. Yeah. Anyways, if you haven't if you haven't seen it, go Google Dollar Shave Club uh, first commercial, and it'll come up. It's really I have funny. something I want to read to you too today. Um, that I feel like it's okay. sort of on par for this episode. I was going to wait till Friday, but I feel like we need it today. So it's this poem that I want to read to you, and I feel like it's going to speak to all of us. So um, here we go. Certified freak, seven days a week, wet ass pussy make that pull out game weak. Bring a bucket and a mop for this wet-ass pussy. Give me everything you got for this wet-ass pussy. Beat it up. Catch a charge. Extra large. Extra hard. Put this pussy right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card. Hop on top. I want to ride. I do a Kegel when it's inside. Spit in my mouth. Look in my eyes. This pussy is wet. Come take a dive. Tie me up like I'm surprised. Let's role play. I wear a disguise. I want you to park that Big Mac truck right in this little garage. Make it cream. Make it scream. Out in public, make a scene. I don't cook. I don't clean. But let me tell you, I got this ring. Gobble me. Swallow me. Drip down the side of me. Quick, jump out before you let it get inside of me. I tell him where to put it. Never tell him where I'm about to be. I'll run down on him before I have him running on me. Talk your shit, bite your lip, ask for a car while you ride his dick. You really ain't never got to fuck him for a thing. He already made up his mind before he came. Now get your boots, get your coat for this wet-ass pussy. He bought a phone just for pictures for this wet-ass pussy. Pay me (laughs) tuition just to kiss me for this wet-ass pussy. Now make it rain if you want to see some wet-ass pussy. Look, I need a hit harder. I need a deep smoker. I need a henny drinker. I need a weed smoke. Not a garden snake. I need a king cobra with a hook in it. Hope he lean over. He got some money. Then that's where I'm headed. Pussy A1, just like his credit. He got a beard while I'm trying to wet it. I make him taste it. Now he diabetic. 
I don't want to spit. I want to glug. I want to gag. I want to choke. I want you to touch that little dangly thing that's swinging in the back of my throat. My head game is fire. Pussy Desani is going to get dry and it's going to come out soggy. I ride on that thing like the cops is behind me. I spit on his mic. Now he's trying to sign me. Your Honor, I'm a freak bitch. Handcuffs, leashes, swing my wig. Make him feel like he cheat. Switch my wig. Make him feel like he cheating. Put him on his knees. Give him something to believe in. Never lost a fight, but I'm looking for a beating. If this, I in the food chain, I'm the one that eats you. If he ate my ass, he's a bottom feeder. Big D stands for big demeanor. I can make you bust before I ever meet you. If it don't hang, then he can't bang. You can't hurt my feelings, but I like pain. If he fuck me and ask whose is it, when I ride his dick, I'm going to spell my name. There you go. Who wrote that? B. <laughs> it's called <laughs> Wet Ass Pussy. And I have not stopped listening to this song for the oh, past four days. And it's been My God. And if you have not that listened is... to WAP, put it on blast. This is some pussy power shit. It's so good. It's so fucking good. That cool. is amazing. Is beautiful poem you've ever heard in your life. She needs to write a romance novel. <laughs> I said, what he said, Can you imagine? I wouldn't be shocked if she did. Let's call, let's call her. Let's let's email Cardi B. Get her on an anthology. Yeah, let's let's make this happen. It's so good. That is so, so good. good. When, the part when Megan Thrace Stallion, when she says, when he asked me whose is it, I'm gonna ride his dick and spell my name. That part got me. I fell out in the floor. Who says it? It's mine, motherfucker. <laughs> You're like, you got it. <laughs> that is amazing. I've seen that. I've seen like people talking about that song everywhere and haven't listened to it yeah. yet. But uh, now I'm going I know. to. That's why I was saying like, it, I've, I saw it like when Cardi posted it up, when she posted the image of her and Megan on the, the cover or whatever of the song. And I was like, oh shit, she's got a new song. Let's hear it. And it's called WAP. And I was like, what the fuck does WAP mean? And it's wet ass pussy. That's what it's Yeah, together. no, I, but then, <laughs> I just put that the together. It's <laughs> so good because the chorus is, it's like this, like, um, it's kind of like a clip or whatever that's playing the whole time. And it's like, there's some whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. And that's playing in the background, certified free, <laughs> seven days a week. Like, so she comes in with that. But when she says that wet ass pussy has that pull out game week, ah, God. But, like, I was singing this to my husband. I was, like, waking up and I was singing it. He was like, I don't like that you keep saying that that the, my pull-out game's weak, okay? And I was like, oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, like, it was so good, though. Like, just. That's a compliment. I know, right? <laughs> I know. I was about to say. I think that's a compliment. Yeah, for both of us. It's so good because they're walking through his house and they're, they're walking through a, a house and it's like there's some whores in this house and they're walking around and they look in the rooms and in all the rooms are these like bad bitches that are rappers and they're and I can't name all Norami's in one of them but um and then actually Ken uh uh what's Kyle, Kyle Jenner's in one she doesn't rap or dance or anything she's just in there but like Cardi went on to explain she was like these are women that I think get shit on because of how because of uh, they own their sexuality but she put them in there and she explained and she posted up an image of each one one of the artists and she's like this is this person this is why I love her I think she's gonna be the next one to blow up and all these women are basically women that got shit on for owning their sexuality for making money for fucking 
Like, she's like, get yours. <laughs> Sell your pussy. Do whatever you want. Like, she's like, go for it. And I just love that the whole theme of that song of her whole, like, the whole reason she had these women in there is pussy power. And it was just like, damn, this is some bad shit. Like, and the men that right. have made fun of this, that have gotten dragged because they made fun of it. Like, there was that one guy from Fox News that read out the lyrics and was talking about, like, how gross it was. Like, that her pussy was that? so wet. And they were like, obviously, like, everybody was like, oh, I feel sorry for your wife. <laughs> like, yeah, you see, like, the, it's so funny. There was this, like, um, news anchor who said something about, or maybe it was a politician who tweeted, um, I put on a face mask and I and literally cannot breathe five seconds later. And then this girl retweeted it and she said, way to advertise the fact that you've never had a woman sit on your face. <laughs> 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 oh, wow. Wow. Oh, yeah. hilarious. Okay, I have a I have an email from a lady listener. She just needs a little sympathy. Okay, it's it's pretty funny. I'm still working my way through the podcast. I'm on set of J Week, and it was one of my favorite parts. The questions with Leah Leah Corner. <laughs> one of her questions was, "What trait would you change about your significant other?" And I have to get this off my chest. We've been married for two months. Yep, got married during the pandemic. Nice. But we have lived together for three years. The one trait I would change in my hubby is he is the worst binge watch partner. <laughs> he, he can't binge a show. After two episodes, he will say, okay, what do you want to do now? <laughs> or once he said, okay, let's not start the next one. I'm going to shower. What kind of person showers during a binge? You can sit on the couch with too many snacks and stay up way too late and spend your entire day watching the entire first season. That is proper binge etiquette. Showering? No. <laughs> Next. Next we watch another episode. This email is great. <laughs> she really needed to, she needed to talk to somebody about this. Just wanted to contribute to questions with Leah. Love you, awesome lady DJs. Oh. Thank you. That is a terrible trait. Divorce oh, him. Wow. This is your it chance. No. Um, actually, my husband and I don't binge together. Never. Like, it's very rare that he will stay up. I mean, we'll stay up sometimes if we're like, okay, one more episode, you know. But he is so disciplined about stuff when he's like, well, it's midnight. I don't want to watch another one. And I'm like, I'll be up till four in the morning. Hit play, motherfucker. Like, what have I got to yeah. do tomorrow besides work? <laughs> we do this thing where, like, if an episode leaves us on a cliffhanger or, like, something exciting is about to happen, we'll stop, we'll watch the next, the first 15 minutes of the next episode and then, and then stop it for the night. But, like, we can't, I can't end and go, oh my God, like, who was behind the door? Yeah, no, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's too, it's not. I enough. think I'm on the other side. My husband, I wanted to watch something a couple of weeks ago. He's like, I don't, I can't watch a series with you. Why? <laughs> I'm like, Why? It's like, because I don't know if you'll come back or jump ahead or. Yeah. Because probably I'll either jump ahead or I'm just. Yeah. That's how. Now I'll say that I won't jump ahead. Like, you know, to keep going without him. But odds are he'll watch a series and he'll be like, hey, I want to watch this. And I'll say, okay. And he'll wait like two or three days. He's like, you're not going to watch this, are you? I'm like, no, but you can put it on. I'm not going to watch it. So, I mean, but he'll watch series by himself. But maybe maybe binge watching is is a solo thing. Maybe it is, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you know how we did. Um, for those of you who haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, um, we did a, an assumption assumptions episode. It was really funny. We recorded it last week, so it's yeah. up now. Um, but I also got an email from an uh, from from a lady listener who had some assumptions, and I thought they yeah. were really funny. So I read them to you. 
Okay, so I totally didn't post this on the Facebook page because I didn't want to get a reporter. <laughs> <laughs> my biggest assumption in no particular order. My biggest assumptions in no particular order. I thought Alexa Riley was one person. I pictured a super petite tattooed woman with a sailor's mouth. <laughs> I'm happy to know there's two of you and that you're so alike yet so different at times. Tessa Bailey was supposed to be this redhead with super pale skin. I'm not disappointed at the illusions, <laughs> mind you. But the name just threw threw that image at me first. I assumed all romance was smut. When I first started, I had no idea there was safe smut. Uh, I didn't realize how dirty it got either. I assumed only really, really nasty, dirty freaks did anal. It just seemed like only my super kinky friends talked about it. Turns out I was wrong about True. that. Uh, I used to think that squirting was only from porn. Again, super wrong about that. I assumed the podcast was going to be only the books. I, I also thought they'd drag <laughs> out for you. more than a week. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, I also thought they'd drag out more than a week and be like a chapter a day at the first. I was super wrong. I've been with it since day one, so I made those assumptions when it was first announced. That covers most of it. Feel free to use uh, whatever you want from this. You don't have to keep me anonymous. I don't care because I doubt any of my friends listen to the podcast (laughs) right now. I come from a super conservative Southern Baptist family. They think anything other than missionary and baby making could be sinful. Face palm. Love you, ladies. Stay safe from Rona. Oh, I love that. That's so good. I love those assumptions, too. That assumption video was really fun. We got so it much feedback fun. about that, about people were excited that we did a, a video just for, just to talk about writing and stuff. And yeah. Like, oh, that's, that's so something cute. we know. Hmm. <laughs> we usually <laughs> just run our mouths about shit we just assume. <laughs> okay, so he, okay, so we're going to play the first half of Mink's book. Uh, she's giving away a $50 gift card, so go to readmeromance.com if you would like to enter to win that giveaway. All of Mink's books are in Kindle Unlimited. Right now, uh, she has a book called His Deadly Darling. It's only 99 cents. And she has a new release called, uh, oh, wait, His Stolen Bride. Wait, is that is that from Mink? Yes. Okay. And it, was, it, sounded like, it sounded like an Alexa Riley title, so I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read the blurb really quickly from that. So His Stolen Bride by Mink. It's a new release out today. Santino. I meet my new bride while her husband's blood is still cooling on my hands. Bella, the Carrera daughter with the sharp tongue and the bright eyes. She thinks she's nothing compared to her younger sister, but she's wrong. Bella is everything, and I'm going to prove to her that I'm worthy to be her husband. Once I've exacted my my vengeance on all who seek to take what I've fought and killed for, I'll have my beauty on her back, panting my name and thanking the virgin I claimed her as mine. Bella, my first husband found me plain and unappealing, but now he's dead, and I have to look out for my sister as well as my own neck. But Santino isn't the mafia king I expect. He's ruthless, hard, and violent, but not to me. To me, he shows me kindness, consideration, and above all, an attraction that I can't explain. I want him, but my duty to my sister is always at the forefront of my mind. Falling for Santino wasn't part of my plan, but his irresistible assault may be the only thing that can change me from a Carrera to a Baldoni. But at what cost? Ooh, that sounds Ooh, good. Ooh, so that sounds really good. We've times if we're mink. We're not. <laughs> so just FYI, in case anybody is assuming that, that's not us. But she's awesome. We love her. We're glad she's here on the podcast this week. This is great. Yes, we are. So uh, here's the first half of her book. Enjoy. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Most little girls dream of their wedding day. 
I was no different growing up. It's funny how your youth blinds you to reality. Maybe if I had been born into a normal family, I'd still be fantasizing about my big day, but I was not. I was born a Scalingi. It didn't take me long to notice that my family was different. We don't play by the same rules as everyone else. Even the kids at school stayed away from me. I'd heard their parents whispering not to play with me. It only pushed me to stay among my own family and the people they brought around. They were all I had, all I knew. It's not my fault that most of my family members aren't good people. I didn't choose this life, and I would never get to. I lie on the bed looking at the garment bag that hangs in my closet, and my stomach turns at what's to come. I want to run, but I know that's not an option. Where would I go? They would find me no matter where I hid. There is no escaping this life. They know I can't escape. I'd never leave my little brother Marco behind. I can't be positive they wouldn't use him against me. Hell, for all I know, he could become like our own father and grandfather one day, but right now, he's the only person I truly love on this earth. There's still hope for him to grow up and be different than those ruthless men. He's the one thing that can hurt me, and they all know it. They haven't used him as a threat, but they wouldn't hesitate if I decided to buck their authority. There's not a line my father wouldn't cross to get what he wants. I don't have to be told the rules to know what they are. So I do as I'm supposed to. I knew this day would come, the day I'd be sold to some made man looking for a mafia princess. It is common for daughters to be married off, but it's as though they were counting down the seconds until I turned 18 to hand me over. But it doesn't matter. I've accepted my fate in the name of giving Marco a chance. I don't want to marry Antonio Toscani, but my grandfather has other plans for me. I almost can't stomach being in the same room as my vile groom, but I'll walk down the aisle to give him my hand in marriage in only a few hours all to please my family, all to be loyal, all for Marco. Marriages in my family aren't about love, but power and position. I'm a pawn in this game of chess. My grandfather, Pasquale, by using me, will guarantee our family's position, and my father, Lorenzo, will do whatever my grandfather orders. From any angle, I'm screwed. Not wanting to stare at the bag any longer, I roll over. A tear slips out of my eye, but I quickly wipe it away. There's no use crying because it won't change anything. My family name is too important to me. I was raised to honor it, and that's what I plan to do. That's what we're told time and time again as we're growing up. Nothing else matters. There is no loyalty except to family. I'm so mired in it that it's always an inner battle to determine right from wrong. That's the crazy thing about families like mine. We speak of loyalty, love, and respect, yet those things only apply if you do as you're told. I sit up, knowing I need to get ready. Normal weddings like these between two powerful families would have been twice the size of the one I'm having. There were only 200 people invited to watch the Scalingi and Tuscany affair. Only the top of our society merited an invite for the merger. 
That's what I've been calling this wedding in my head, a business transaction, a merger of fortunes and old names. This marriage will solidify us as one of the most powerful families. That's why they're rushing to get it done. At least, that's what I think. I'm not privy to any of those details because I'm not allowed to ask such questions. Even though it's supposed to be a smaller occasion, no expense will be spared. We have an image to maintain. I'm surprised my room isn't already being bombarded by people hired to get me ready. I pick up my Kindle and hide it under my pillow before heading into the bathroom. I love my books. The only happily ever after I have to look forward to is one that I'll read about. But my father tries to discourage my reading habit. Welcome to this production of His Virgin Queen, written by Mink and performed by Mackenzie Cartwright and Lance Greenfield. Chapter One Sophia Most little girls dream of their wedding day. I was no different growing up. It's funny how your youth blinds you to reality. Maybe if I had been born into a normal family, I'd still be fantasizing about my big day, but I was not. I was born a Scalini. It didn't take me long to notice that my family was different. We don't play by the same rules as everyone else. Even the kids at school stayed away from me. I'd heard their parents whispering not to play with me. It only pushed me to stay among my own family and the people they brought around. They were all I had, all I knew. It's not my fault that most of my family members aren't good people. I didn't choose this life, and I would never get to. I lie on the bed looking at the garment bag that hangs in my closet, and my stomach turns at what's to come. I want to run, but I know that's not an option. Where would I go? They would find me no matter where I hid. There is no escaping this life. They know I can't escape. I'd never leave my little brother Marco behind. I can't be positive they wouldn't use him against me. Hell, for all I know, he could become like our own father and grandfather one day, but right now, he's the only person I truly love on this earth. There's still hope for him to grow up and be different than those ruthless men. He's the one thing that can hurt me, and they all know it. They haven't used him as a threat, but they wouldn't hesitate if I decided to buck their authority. There's not a line my father wouldn't cross to get what he wants. I don't have to be told the rules to know what they are. So I do as I'm supposed to. I knew this day would come, the day I'd be sold to some made man looking for a mafia princess. It is common for daughters to be married off, but it's as though they were counting down the seconds until I turned 18 to hand me over. But it doesn't matter. I've accepted my fate in the name of giving Marco a chance. I don't want to marry Antonio Toscani, but my grandfather has other plans for me. I almost can't stomach being in the same room as my vile groom, but I'll walk down the aisle to give him my hand in marriage in only a few hours, all to please my family, all to be loyal, all for Marco. Marriages in my family aren't about love, but power and position. I'm a pawn in this game of chess. 
My grandfather, Pasquale, by using me, will guarantee our family's position, and my father, Lorenzo, will do whatever my grandfather orders. From any angle, I'm screwed. Not wanting to stare at the bag any longer, I roll over. A tear slips out of my eye, but I quickly wipe it away. There's no use crying because it won't change anything. My family name is too important to me. I was raised to honor it, and that's what I plan to do. That's what we're told time and time again as we're growing up. Nothing else matters. There is no loyalty except to family. I'm so mired in it that it's always an inner battle to determine right from wrong. That's the crazy thing about families like mine. We speak of loyalty, love, and respect, yet those things only apply if you do as you're told. I sit up, knowing I need to get ready. Normal weddings like these between two powerful families would have been twice the size of the one I'm having. There were only 200 people invited to watch the Scalini and Tuscany affair. Only the top of our society merited an invite for the merger. That's what I've been calling this wedding in my head, a business transaction, a merger of fortunes and old names. This marriage will solidify us as one of the most powerful families. That's why they're rushing to get it done. At least, that's what I think. I'm not privy to any of those details because I'm not allowed to ask such questions. Even though it's supposed to be a smaller occasion, no expense will be spared. We have an image to maintain. I'm surprised my room isn't already being bombarded by people hired to get me ready. I pick up my Kindle and hide it under my pillow before heading into the bathroom. I love my books. The only happily ever after I have to look forward to is one that I'll read about. But my father tries to discourage my reading habit. Wouldn't want me to get any ideas or anything like that. I stop when I catch my own reflection in the mirror. It's as though my mom is staring back at me. I step closer to it, reaching out to touch it. It's a reminder of how alike we looked. My heart aches that she won't be here today. I know she wouldn't have been able to stop this wedding from happening, but I also know that I could have leaned on her. She would have made me feel better in some way. She always did, was always there for me. Then one day, she was gone without explanation. How long has it been? Five years ago, almost to the day. I still haven't accepted that she isn't coming back. I swallow, fighting back the tears. I won't cry. I told myself I wouldn't, but these tears aren't because of the forced marriage I'm about to enter, but for everything else that will be forced upon me tonight. They are for my innocence that will be stripped from me by a man that I loathe, and for the mother who's gone, the one I suspect was taken away from me. I keep the tears at bay, and I search for my anger. It always serves me better. It helps to keep me numb. I don't know who took her from me but I know it was someone within these walls, my grandfather or my own father. Neither of them seemed affected by her absence. They went on with life as if she never existed. I couldn't forget her, couldn't toe the line and pretend her absence was normal, so I asked once. I still have the small scar on my forehead where my father had backhanded me. One of his gaudy rings left that little present right on the hairline. 
I can easily hide the mark with my hair. I often do. Other times I let it show because I know it makes my grandfather angry. Not that my dad had hit me, of course, but that he'd left a mark. Pasquale Scalini didn't want anyone damaging the goods and foiling his plan to sell me off to the highest bidder. I turn when I hear the soft double knock. It's my little brother's signature. When I open the door, he looks about as excited as I am today. If it weren't for him, I probably would have tried to make a run for it. I may not know what happened to my mom, but I do know that if she had the opportunity to have last words with me, she would have told me to protect my brother. She didn't have to say them for me to know. When it comes to loyalty and this family, mine falls with her even though she's not here. Maybe one day I'll get my chance to find out what happened to her, to get my own revenge in her name. That thought alone is the one that always reminds me I really am a Scalini. How are you holding up? Marco asks. I fake a smile. I'm good. Liar, he says, before pushing past me into my bedroom. For only being 15, he's already bigger than our father. Hell, he's bigger than my husband-to-be. I fear every day he's going to turn into one of them, one of the hard men that doesn't care about anything but power. It's then that the lines will really start to blur for me. I love my brother, and he could probably do a lot of messed up stuff, and I'd keep on loving him. Still, I know in my heart that he's different. He frowns at my dress, then scrubs a hand down his face. I hate this shit. Don't start. I point my finger at him. This has to be done. If it wasn't Antonio, it would have been someone else. Fucking bullshit. My brother paces back and forth in front of my bed. I grab his arm and school my expression, letting him know that I'm serious, showing him that this is what needs to be done. It's fine. He stops pacing to look down at me, and I can easily see that it's not fine at all. Not for him, not for me. You sound like mom. I glance away from Marco and swallow the lump in my throat. I won't show him that I'm scared for today. He favors our mother more than our father, but he has that scalingy blood in his veins too. He can be reckless, and that's the last thing I want today. If he lets his emotions get the best of him, he puts his life on the line. I think my mom got reckless. Maybe she tried to run. Only God knows what really happened, but I can't risk something happening to Marco. Neither of us has the luxury of following our heart. Did you get them for me? I ask, changing the subject. This wedding is happening no matter what. There's no sense in dwelling on it now. The deed is pretty much done. Marco, please tell me you got what I need. You make me feel like a drug dealer. He pulls out a bag and hands it to me. Pretty sure our whole family is a bunch of drug dealers. I half joke as I snatch the bag from him. Still fucking weird getting my sister birth control pills. I don't disagree, but a girl has to do what a girl has to do. I'm not going to be bringing a baby into this world. When I found out I was being married off, I'd immediately gone to my brother about getting them. He didn't ask why. He knew. He understood. 
and then he got the pills for me despite the risk. He leans down, kissing me on the forehead. It's just so fucking wrong, Soph. I know. I let my eyes water for only a moment, then straighten my spine. Don't do anything stupid. I'm getting married, and it is what it is. Antonio is a piece of shit, Marco mumbles. I don't know a ton about my groom. What I do know, I don't like. My father did a good job of hiding me away after my mom went missing. I only heard bits and pieces about the Tuscany boss, along with the things my brother would share with me. Marco is tough, but he hurts just like I do. He lost her the same as I did, and now he's a boy who's more a man than he should be. I want to tell all of them, my father, grandfather, and my groom, that they are all pieces of shit. But I let it go like he needs to do. Let it go, I whisper, then clear my throat. Go, I have to get ready. I push him toward the door. See you at the church. Again, I force a smile. He doesn't. He lets his anger show. That's dangerous. Get it together, I snip at him. There you go, sounding like mom again. This time, my smile isn't fake. I'll take all of my mom I can get today. I'm going to need her. Chapter Two Nick she sits with her head down, the gauzy veil still covering her dark hair. I holster my pistol and adjust my suit coat. She doesn't look up. Not when I walked into the room. Not when I fired the shot that killed her new husband. Not even when he fell face first into his salad course. She still sits there now as I walk around the table to her. Her wedding was beautiful. No one could argue that. I sat in the back row and watched as the young, dark-haired bride walked uncertainly down the aisle. The cathedral was full, every higher up in the seven families in attendance. She did as all good mafia daughters do, gave her word to love and cherish the piece of shit whose blood now stains the carpet. But I digress. The wedding. It was smaller than usual, but still an overdone affair. As the head of the da Vinci family, I was expected to attend. So I did. What I didn't expect was the double cross that happened. But now it's taken care of. I glance at Antonio's shattered skull and smirk. Now, there are only six families. I will take all of Antonio Tuscany's men as my own, execute the disloyal ones, and continue on with business as usual. If the other families take issue with my actions, they are welcome to address it at the next meeting. Until then, I am the god of the Tuscany family, and as an extension of the young bride whose husband I just murdered. Just do it. Her voice is so still, like the surface of a cold, dark lake. I stand behind her, my gaze straying down the 
perfect cascade of her rich hair. The slope of her pale shoulders, the row of buttons down the back of her dress. I could rip them off with ease. I could. But as her departed husband learned, just because you could do something doesn't mean you should. He shouldn't have tried to take my primary cocaine provider from me. He shouldn't have pressed the families to grant him my share of the underground fighting ring. But he could do those things, and he did. And now he's dead, and his blushing bride is a spoil of war. I said, go ahead and do it. That voice again. The sweet tones so sad they're haunting. I reach out and trail my fingers down her veil. And what would you have me do? She doesn't move. Afraid, cara mia? Ready. Ready for? I bury my fingers in the thin fabric and pull the veil free the comb falling to the floor, and her hair flowing dark and wavy. Just go ahead. She turns to look at me, the caramel brown of her eyes like a dagger that goes straight to where my heart should be. But, as many of my enemies have learned, there is nothing there. No heart, no mercy, but there is need and desire. She sparks it with her petulant lips and big eyes. This beauty is mine. As a final insult to the Tuscany family, I will own this innocent creature, bend her and break her until she is something new. She was never meant for the weakling her father shackled her to at that wedding. Antonio didn't deserve this bride. Not this ethereal creature that sits before me and asks for me to end her. None of this fits her. Not the groom, not this house, not her dress, the heavy satin, the overdone veil, the huge skirt. I hate it. In fact, it disgusts me. I grip the back and rip it, the buttons popping just as I'd surmised and the fabric parting with a rough sound that is pleasant on my ears. She leans forward, trying to get away from me, but I yank again, splitting it all the way down past her waist. Take it off. I step back as she struggles to her feet, then whirls on me. She holds the torn dress to her chest. Stop! I like this better. The fire in her tone, no more dead water. Instead, there's heat there, ire. I want more. I said take it off. I don't like it. No. She kicks her chin up. If you're going to kill me, get it over with. But I'm not here to be your peep show. I could bend her over this table here and now, ravage her, and walk away. I should. I don't need any more messes from the Tuscany clan. 
Instead, I stand my ground. Take it off. The tone I use. It's the same one plenty of men have heard right before I kill them. She doesn't respond, but her chin trembles. If you don't, I'll do it for you. I'd enjoy that. Just ripping it down the back has my blood running hot. With a look that could break a normal man's heart, she drops the torn fabric and crosses her trembling hands over her breasts, even though she's wearing a white bra. Better. Now step out of it. Why? She glances down my body, distrust in her caramel eyes. I already told you, I don't like it. The moment you're out of it, I'll have my associate burn it. I snap my fingers, and Geo hurries into the room. Boss? Take that gown and dispose of it along with Antonio. Yes, sir. He strides over to her and grabs a piece of the poofy skirt, then waits for her to obey my command. Step out of it. I move toward her and offer my hand. She eyes it like it might bite her, but takes it so she can wrestle her way free from the white monstrosity. Then she lets go. Her soft touch warmed my skin, and I flex my hand. Once she's free, I see she's wearing demure white panties and low-heeled white shoes. No lace, no garter, nothing intentionally sexy. She didn't intend on having a fun wedding night, though I'm certain Antonio would have rutted on her all the same. Come. I hold my hand out again. She shakes her head as she presses her thighs tightly together and keeps her hands over her breasts. I won't ask you again, cara mia. I take her in, enjoying the way her waist narrows and her hips flare, the thick thighs and the small ankles. She was far too much woman for Antonio. You won't like what happens next if you don't obey. Of course you'll hit me. That's what your kind does. She presses her lips into a thin line and gives me her hand. The thought of someone hitting her sends a jolt of ice into my veins. I'm a violent man, but raising a hand to this rare beauty with the big brown eyes, who would dare? The demand for names is on the tip of my tongue. But then she slides her hand into mine again, her warmth permeates my skin, and my bloodlust fades. I lead her from the room and toward the front of Antonio's overdone mansion. What's your name? You don't know? She keeps trying to cover herself, so I unbutton my coat and then drape it across her shoulders. She pulls it closed, even though it's huge on her, and looks up at me with open surprise. Thank you? 
She says it as more of a question. You're welcome. I take her hand again and keep walking. We're leaving this shithole behind. I'll add it to my holdings and liquidate it, just as I did its owner, as soon as possible. Where are we going? She asks as we walk out into the chilly night. Does it matter? I look down at her. She thinks for a moment, then shakes her head. No, I suppose it doesn't. I help her into the back of the black Mercedes, then move to slide in beside her. A gunshot shatters the window beside me, and I hit the ground. Reaching inside the car, I shove her down onto the floorboard, then pull my piece and stalk my next kill. Any man who comes at me will face my wrath. And one that endangers this pretty little thing that now belongs to me? He's already signed his fucking death warrant. Chapter 3 Sophia He slides into the back seat beside me, the smell of gunpowder mixing with his expensive cologne. Drive. His tone is cold as he addresses the driver, but when he looks at me, there's a warmth in his eyes. What happened? I glance at the busted window. I took care of it. He settles into the seat and pulls out his phone. His thick fingers tap rapidly, firing off a message that has to be angry. I suppose he would be, given that someone just tried to kill him. I close my eyes and pull his jacket tighter around me. At least he cleared the room before he ripped my dress from my body. You know, after he shot my new husband. After I watched as the blood trickled down onto the salad in front of him as if it were the dressing. I shudder at the emotion that runs through me because it's not sadness, it's relief. Now I'm practically naked with an unfamiliar enemy who has shown me just enough compassion to be confusing. I still don't understand his urgency to destroy my wedding dress. I hate the dress too. It's beautiful, sure, but not for me. It's too showy, and I never favored it. I'm more into simple designs, plainer clothes, blending in. I always try to fly under the radar by never wearing anything that would draw any extra attention to myself. My wedding dress was the complete opposite of that. I looked exactly like a little princess being passed to her prince. Except Antonio was no prince. If he was, it was of darkness. Above all else, I had been dreading our wedding night. More so because I knew how angry he was when the priest said, you may kiss the bride, and I turned my head, only giving him my cheek. His mouth merely brushed the side of mine, and even that seemed like too much for me. I don't know why I'd decided to poke the beast, but I had. Then again, I suppose that really doesn't matter now. I'm a widow, something I'm not at all sad about. Not knowing what his motives are, I tread lightly around this stranger. So far, he's killed my husband and made me undress. I almost laugh at how ridiculous this entire situation is. At least he had the decency to offer me his coat. It surprised me for a minute. 
I wasn't sure I'd heard him correctly at first, not after the way he spoke to me before about ripping the dress from my body. Now he was offering to cover me up? A hysterical laugh comes from me. He raises a brow. What is so amusing, Gaudamia? I expected you to be shaking in fear, not in laughter. I only laugh harder because he's right. I laugh because I'm more confused about the dress than the death of Antonio. I should be shaking in fear, but why? What more can this man do to me that would be worse than what my husband would have done tonight in our wedding bed? When I finally catch my breath, I ask, why did you hate my dress so much? Not, why did you kill my husband? He asks back. His dark eyes roam over me like he's trying to figure me out. I finally get a good look at him. He's handsome, if you're into the killing type. Does he even count as my husband? We didn't sign the final paper, or- I pause. You know, do the deed? For the first time, the man, possibly my savior or my soon-to-be worst nightmare, cracks a smirk. You mean he didn't fuck you? Consummate the marriage, I correct. Do you always have such a smart mouth? His tone is flat, and I wonder if I've gone too far. Do you always rip dresses from women you don't even know? I shoot back, then bite my tongue. What is wrong with me? First, I needled Antonio, and now I'm provoking the man who killed him. Antonio was a pussycat compared to the man beside me. No, the dark-haired killer at my side isn't one to toy with. He clearly has more power than my family and Antonio's combined. All of Antonio's servants and friends had stared in shock as this man walked into the room and ordered them to leave. Only Antonio and I were to remain. One look at this killer, and I said a thankful prayer that my brother hadn't arrived yet. He was still at the church. He's been watching me as my mind clicks on first one topic and then the next, as if he's trying to read me. Finally, he says, ripping a dress is nothing, Katamia. I do anything I want. I turn to look out the window. Of course he does. The small glimmer of hope I felt fades away. I don't know why I had it to begin with. I'm only going from one devil to another, it seems. At least this new one is handsome, his raven black hair silkier than it has any right to be. My brother, I say when the car grows quiet. I debated bringing him up. I don't want this man to know the power he could yield over me with the knowledge of how much my brother means to me. Yet I need to know he's safe. I honestly don't know if he's having my entire family killed as we speak. Please don't hurt him. I have no quarrel with your brother. He is but a boy, no? He will likely have a quarrel with you. I let out a long sigh. He will come looking for me, even if he knows it could get him killed. I turn to face the man whose name I still don't know. His face is blank, and I can't read him. I'll do anything to keep him safe. I lay my cards on the table. He grabs a lock of my hair and rubs it between his thumb and forefinger. Do as I tell you, Karamia, and I will make sure your brother is safe. Vow it. I tilt my chin up in challenge. His nostrils flare at my defiance, but he speaks evenly. 
after you make your vows to me tonight, I'll promise you that I will do everything in my power to keep your brother safe. That's better than anyone else has ever offered. He gives it so freely, even when he could simply take whatever he wants. After all, he said that's what he does. But with me, he bargains? What kind of vows do you want, I ask. I have nothing to give, especially not to a man like him. Of marriage? He says it so simply, as commonplace as it's sunny. I start to laugh but stop when I see that he's serious. Can a girl even get married twice in one day? As you said, you never signed the papers. You never laid in bed with that man. He leans in closer to me. Have you laid in bed with that man? He doesn't even want to say his name, I notice. I give him the embarrassing truth. I've never laid in bed with any man. He lets out a small growl as he leans more into me. I don't pull away. I tell myself it's because I don't want to show fear, but I really want to know what he's going to do. It's wrong, this fascination that's growing by the second. But he surprises me. And now the marriage proposal has made me even more confused, hungrier to solve the mystery of the killer beside me. He runs his nose along my neck and breathes me in. My body instantly heats, new sensations growing and unfurling inside me. I can smell it on you. He nips at my jugular and I gasp. Oh, cara mia, the innocence is all over you. You didn't even let him kiss you at the ceremony, did you? I'd wondered if anyone noticed. This man did. I turn my head, my gaze meeting his. I need to push him away. His mouth is doing things to me it shouldn't be doing. It's back, that same thrill I'd gotten when he took the dress from me and demanded it be burned. My husband lay dead next to me, and I'd gotten turned on by his killer. No one would ever know that. I could only admit it to myself. That confession would never pass my lips, not even in church, because it's wrong, because it scares me. And maybe because it means I'm just as messed up as everyone else in my family. Did he taste your sweet lips, Karamia? His voice is a growl against my flesh. Tell me. No, I breathe. Antonio had barely lifted my veil when he'd gone in for it. I couldn't stomach the thought of his mouth on mine. It was stupid, because I knew what would be coming hours later. Well, I thought I knew. Now everything has changed. Have you ever kissed a man? I shake my head no. My voice is too shaky, far too breathy now. I can't speak, can't think when he kisses beneath my ear. How many times have I dreamed about my first kiss? Too many to count. Being locked away gives a girl a lot of time. I'd spent most of that time with my nose pressed to a book. I thought if I could never have love, I could at least read about all the great ones, and I did. Austin, Bronte, every bodice ripper and high stakes romance I could find, I devoured them all. And now, now I'm being devoured by a dark stranger who kills as easily as he breathes. Never been tasted. He licks his lips, good. His mouth comes down on mine. The kiss is hard at first. 
I sit there shocked, not sure what to do. My whole body lights up with desire like nothing I've ever felt. I shouldn't be feeling this, not with this man. He growls against my mouth, open for me. I'm getting my kiss now. You won't be turning your head from me after you say I do. I part my lips, giving in to his demands. I tell myself it's because I have no other choice. But the truth is, I want to feel what it's like to be kissed by this man. His hand digs into my hair. I moan into his mouth as he deepens the kiss. It's more than a kiss. It's a claim, and I know he wasn't lying. I'm going to be getting married twice in one day. Chapter Four Nick I can still taste her. She's sweeter than anything I've ever known, and now she's mine. I walk her into my home and call Carlotta over. Take her up to my room, get her measurements. Order whatever clothes she likes. She'll also need a wedding dress. Sir? Carlotta's dark eyes open wide, the wrinkles on her forehead turning into deep furrows. You heard me. I don't snap at her, not Carlotta. She served the da Vinci family her whole life. All right. She swallows hard and turns her attention to my bride. Carlotta, this is... I turn to my intended. Your name? You don't know my name? She gawks up at me. But, but you came to my wedding. My apologies, cara mia. But I simply arrived to witness the wedding between the Scalingi and Tuscany families. I did not particularly notice the first name of the bride. Sir, Carlotta wrings her hands. You intend to marry a girl you met at a wedding where she was the bride? That's it. I pat her shoulder. You've got it perfectly right. Now, please escort. I look expectantly into my innocent lover's caramel brown eyes. Sophia, she says, her perfectly formed lips caressing the word. Oh, the things I will do with that mouth. Please escort Sophia to my room and make all the arrangements for a small ceremony to be held here this evening, say, seven o'clock. The heads of all families are to be invited, with special attention paid to the Scalingis. Ensure they receive the invitation first. I lean down and press a kiss to Sophia's crown. Go now. Prepare yourself. I... I don't know your name. She clutches my jacket around her. Nick Da Vinci. Her eyes widen. You're the head of the Da Vinci family. Correct, cara mia. Welcome to my kingdom. I wave a hand at my grand estate, the chandelier overhead sparkling and the polished marble floor gleaming. You will be a beautiful queen, but for now I must work. 
I lean closer, my lips pressing against her ear. I am the only one who will ever rule your body, and I intend to stake my claim tonight. Ready yourself. A shiver runs through her, and I know, just like I know when a man wants to kill me, that she wants me between her thighs. Soon. I snap my fingers, and Carlotta hurries over and takes Sophia's elbow, then leads her up the curved staircase to the master bedroom. Once she's out of sight, I stride toward my office. Gio swings the door open for me and follows me inside, along with a handful of my most trusted men. Antonio's body? I open the crystal decanter and pour myself a drink. Taken care of. His men? Carmine and his enforcers are at the docks right now doing an inventory of people and goods. We'll know who's on our team before the day is out. The ones who aren't will be taken care of. Gio pours a drink as I taste mine. It's good, but not as potent as Sophia. Her sweetness, the perfect complement to my bitter. Her skin is fair despite her lineage. Have the Scalingis kept her hidden away in their mansion on the river? Did she not see the sun in all these years? Her hair is soft, and I think... No, I know. Her skin is soft, too. Like a rose petal. Did I just think of her skin like a rose petal? Fuck, that girl is messing with my mind. And maybe I like it. I take a big gulp of my liquor. Boss? Gio hovers at my elbow. He's been waiting this entire time while I've been lost in thoughts of the widow who will be my bride. No, not a widow. I hate the thought of her having belonged to another. It's a stupid thing to care about, but I do. Even if she said the empty vows, she never belonged to him. She was waiting for me. All the same, I rather enjoy the fact that I killed her husband and took her for myself. Gio clears his throat. The girl? Sophia Scalingi is mine. I turn to the deadliest men in the city, all of them loyal to me. The wedding is going to be a test. I've invited all the families. If they don't come, we'll know they stand against us. If they do, well, then we'll see. But I want all of you in the room. If violence starts, we will end it. And if I have to cull the families from six to even less, so be it. But none of them will ever think to cross me in business again. The Tuscanies are no more. If anyone else steps out of line, they will meet the same end. One day, the men in this room will be the only ones that matter, the only families that have any say. But until then, we will maintain ties. And with Sophia as my wife, the Scalingis will be squeezed that much tighter in my grip. Clever. Dante taps the butt of his pistol, 
his impatience one of his most marked characteristics. And lucky for you, she's got a hot little body to... I'm across the room, my glass broken on the floor and my hands at his throat before the thought even enters my mind. Don't you fucking look at her. I squeeze. He holds his hands up, surprise telegraphing through his eyes. Dante is loyal. He'd let me end him right here and now if I wanted to. He won't fight back, not against me. Which is why I release my hold and step back. My apologies. He still holds his hands up, palms toward me. Please forgive me, boss. You're forgiven. I grip his shoulder. I shouldn't have laid hands on you. I grit my teeth, then force myself to relax. But make no mistake, Sophia is not a pawn. She will be the queen of this family, my bride and the mother of my children. Geo whistles. It finally happened. Dante's face goes from grim to a smile. You got struck by the arrow, man. Don't be ridiculous. I pat his cheek, perhaps a little too hard, then pour myself another drink. There is no arrow. You're in love, Dante sighs. One of the greats has fallen off the market. Gio laughs. It was bound to happen, he elbows Dante. More pussy for us, eh? Damn right. Dante takes his glass and raises it. To you and your new queen. The others pour drinks hastily and raise their glasses too. To you and your new queen. We drink, the liquor warming me on its way down. I clear my throat. Now, let's talk about who we need to kill to ensure this wedding goes as smoothly as possible. I hold up a finger. Also, Geo, call my tailor. Chapter 5 Sophia I stand in the center of the room, the oversized robe I was provided hanging off one of my shoulders. In front of me are five women, each holding a couple of dresses out for me to look at, all of them more gorgeous than the next. You pick one, Carlotta tells me, motioning with her hand. When we first entered what I believed to be the master bedroom, Carlotta nudged me toward the bathroom to shower. I did as I was told. Old habits die hard, it would seem. I could hear her on the phone calling dress stores, designers, and seamstresses. When I stepped out of the bathroom, it looked as though all of them had come running. Of course they did. I am the bride-to-be of the head of the da Vinci family. There isn't a designer crazy enough to turn this request down. Pressing a hand to my cheek, I stare at the gowns as Carlotta fluffs their skirts. I think I'm still in shock that all of this is happening. I'd never met Nick da Vinci before today. I've heard of him, mainly because my father hated him. If I had to guess why, I'd say it's because Lorenzo fears him. 
That should scare me, but I'm less frightened by the idea of marrying Nick than I was when I woke up this morning, thinking I had to spend the rest of my days with Antonio. Should I be sad? I'm not. I feel no remorse over Nick killing Antonio. It put me in a position to be with a more powerful man, one that can protect me and Marco, that so far has treated me with more respect than my own family ever has. Nick's willingness to offer my brother protection is what made me agree to be his. His looks and my body's attraction to him are an added bonus, and I wonder if this spark of heat can grow into something more. I've never really thought about love for myself, not when I knew whatever marriage I had was going to be arranged for strategic purposes. But with Nick, it almost seems like anything is possible. I still have to follow through with my vows. A safe harbor isn't free, and it may seem as though I'm making the choice, but we all know the reality is that I don't have one. Antonio has already faded into my past. Nick is my future. I can pick whichever one I want. I look from the dresses to Carlotta. The woman has been sweet to me from the second I met her. Of course, it's your wedding. Da Vinci said you could have whichever you wanted. I look back at the dresses. They're all different versions of gorgeous. Some are simple with crystals that you can tell took someone hours to sew. There are long ones, short ones, and everything else in between. The lacework on a few of the pieces is breathtaking. Do you not like any of them? We can send for more. Carlotta starts to pull her phone out. Is there really time for that? I ask. It's already getting late in the day, and I'm working on my second wedding. I want to get this over with. I tell myself it's because I'm so done with this crap, but my head is still spinning from what Nick had whispered to me. I'd feared tonight when I woke up this morning, but now I'm wondering if sex with Nick will be anything like that kiss. That kiss. It was... My mind blanks trying to find the right word for what it was. Carlotta cuts off my train of thought. This is your day. Everyone will wait until you are ready. Until you find the dress your heart desires. It's what da Vinci wants for you. She smiles softly at me. I noticed that Nick treats her with respect. My father never treated any women with respect. If you were female in my family, you were there to serve your purpose. I'd seen other powerful families treat their women differently, but in our house, women didn't have a say, and they did as they were told. A smile tugs at my lips at the satisfaction I feel when I think of the anger that my father and grandfather must be experiencing tonight. Their grand plans to merge families with the Toscanis had been ruined, and now I'll sit at the head of the da Vinci family, the one they fear. The seamstresses still stand offering their dresses, their expectant eyes on me. Carlotta wasn't kidding when she said everyone would wait for me. Everyone, though? Nick da Vinci is a man that waits, I ask. If anyone can give me more on my husband-to-be, it's Carlotta. Fair point, she smirks. For this, I think he will give a little extra time, but we should pick up the pace. Still, I keep staring at the dresses. It isn't that I don't like any of them. It's that I'm used to people always telling me what I should wear. There was never a choice. 
I didn't dare complain about something I was given unless I wanted to deal with my father. That one. I point to the simplest of all the dresses. At least, it looks that way. When the light hits it, you can see all the small crystals that have been hand-woven and run along the top of the dress. It is elegant, but not showy or over the top. The rest may go. Carlotta motions for the other women to leave. The double doors to the bedroom open for them to exit. I notice two men in suits standing there. I only catch a glimpse of them before the doors close again. I don't think you can wear a bra with this one, but I did bring some undergarments, the one woman left standing says, a hint of pride in her voice. I suppose it's an honor to be chosen to serve the da Vinci family. I can make the alterations in no time so the gown fits you perfectly. She turns the dress, and my mouth drops open in surprise. There is practically no back to it. It's stunning, but it might be a touch more dramatic than I thought. She walks over to the giant bed and lays the dress down before going back and grabbing a bag. She digs through it, pulling out new undergarments. I'm shocked for the second time in a matter of minutes. The garments consist of a ton of lace, and they aren't simple in any way. They're sexy. I feel my cheeks heat just from staring at the pieces. All of these? If I get to pick, and it seems like I do, I'm definitely putting on all this lacy crap for Nick. I'd made sure I didn't wear anything that was even remotely sexy under my first wedding dress. I didn't want to give Antonio the satisfaction. I wore the simplest white panties because I didn't want to turn that man on. I can't help but feel the opposite about Nick. I want him to undress me and find the present of my virginity to unwrap next. I slip the panties up my legs under the robe and attach the garters. I feel beautiful, like a woman. This is the first time in my life that I've ever felt that way. It's the first time I've ever wanted someone to think I'm sexy. Butterflies fill my stomach as I wonder what Nick will think of me. Hair and makeup, Carlotta calls out as the seamstress quickly takes my measurements. She rushes out with the gown, and again, the double doors open and two new women come in. Can I do my own? I ask. I don't want to be all done up again. I hated having makeup caked on my face and my hair concreted down with hairspray. Of course, Carlotta says and turns to the women. Leave your things for her to use. You can collect them later. They do as they're told. Turning to me, she asks, Will you need a few hours? I shake my head. It won't take me long. You are such a dear. Carlotta tilts her head to look me over. Can I stay and assist you? Surely you'll need help with the dress when the seamstress is done. My eyes dart toward the phone sitting on the nightstand. I'd noticed it when I'd come out of the bathroom. I wouldn't mind her staying, but I want to use that phone. You can use the phone, sweet girl. She steps back, motioning toward it. I would advise, though, that whether I'm here or not, whatever you say or use the phone for will reach Mr. Da Vinci's ears. Of course it will. I fight not to roll my eyes, only because I don't want to be rude to her. Nick is a boss. He knows everything that goes on under his roof. But he's also different, I remind myself. I'm starting to let small things creep into my mind. 
Nick calling me his queen, then letting me pick my gown. Kim not telling me how I should dress or look. My mind keeps trying to make him into something he's not. It's trying to make him into a good guy when I know better. I watched him murder someone merely hours ago. What if this is just a game to him? What if he's giving me the illusion of having control over things to make me more docile? I hate how jaded that thought makes me feel. Besides, he didn't need to go to these great lengths. I would be loyal to him for as long as he kept my brother safe. If he broke that vow, I would break ours in return, because then I'd have nothing to lose. Chapter 6 Nick My tailor rushes out, my chalked suit in his hands as he hurries toward his sewing machine. I sit on the leather sofa near the fireplace and motion Geo into the room. Well? All families are coming. He shakes his head. All except one. Let me guess. I lean back and smirk at the crackling fire. The Skalingis. You got it. He leans against the doorframe, his suit hiding a killer underneath. That's why he's my most trusted associate. He's killed for me many a time, and he'll likely do it again before this night is through. I meet his gaze. This slight cannot go unpunished, of course. What are you feeling? Kidnap a few of their guys, gut them, leave them on their doorstep? I like that idea. It's classic Da Vinci, but this may require a bit more finesse. Who's Lorenzo's mistress? Let's see. Gio turns and calls Dante. He strides in, his swagger almost a match to mine, but not quite. Who's Lorenzo Scalingi bawling these days? Gio asks. Uh, last I checked, it was the broad who works at the shitty bakery over on 11th. Fetch her to the wedding. I need Sophia's father to know I'm not a man to be denied. But don't harm her. Just get her here. Will do. Dante heads out. You ready for this? Gio walks over and perches on the edge of my desk. Marriage or taking over the Tuscany family? Both, but mainly marriage, Gio shrugs. I mean, this is a perfectly strategic move, but there's more to it. It's like you're... Like you've fallen for her even though you just met her. Is that even possible? For a man like me, I thought it wasn't. No. I hesitate. Because just the thought of her heats my blood until it's molten. Is she upstairs right now trying on gowns and lacy panties that I will rip off with my teeth? Because I will. I will ruin her tonight. She will never want another man after I've taken her cherry and made her come on my cock. 
That luscious body of hers is a treat in and of itself. But the secret fire that dances beneath her surface is an even bigger draw. A mafia princess, one who's been beaten into submission for years. What can she be once she's free? Once she's out of her cage and bound by nothing except my arms. I already know. I saw it in her eyes only hours ago. She will be a queen. Boss? I snap back to Gio. She's it for me. I'm not an impulsive man. You know this. He nods. Definitely not. But there's something about her. I can't explain it. When you meet the second half of your soul, it leaves a mark. You have a soul? Geo raises a brow. I crack my knuckles. I also have half a mind to kick the shit out of you to relieve some of the tension. We can go, boss. But I warn you, I pull hair. He grins. I stand and point to the door. Get the fuck out of here. You should get fitted. I can't have my best man showing up looking like ten pounds of shit in a five-pound bag. Harsh. He clutches his chest as if wounded and strides out. I follow and stare up at the second floor where my bride awaits. Workmen are already placing chairs and flowers all around the marble floor. The ceremony will be small, but potent. The big families will be here. Scalingi may have refused my invitation, but once I have his woman here, he'll show. My cell vibrates in my pocket. I pull it out and check the message. Fuck. I head for the front door as Tony rushes over. You heard? Yeah. I walk out into the coming night and meet my guards. Caught him trying to jump the fence. Vin hands me a pistol. Had this on him. What's your name, kid? I take the pistol and remove the magazine, then empty the chamber. The bullets roll away, but one of my men goes and scoops them up. I cock my head to the side and stare into the kid's angry eyes. Why are you showing up at my house with a loaded gun? I use the grip to conk him lightly on the top of the head. I don't want to hurt him unless I have to. He's young, but a big guy all the same. It probably took both guards to collar him, and he's got a split lip to show for it. You got a death wish? Is that it? I'm here for my sister. He spits blood at my feet. His sister, Sophia. Fuck. She asked me to protect this kid, but here he is trying to do violence against me and mine. You're Marco. I hand his gun to Gio. Let her go. He strains against my soldiers, his teeth gritted. She isn't going anywhere, and neither are you. 
I kick my chin at Tony. Take him upstairs. My soldiers pull him past me, but then I turn. Wait, clean up his lip before you do. I don't need any heat coming down on me from my queen. I point at the boy. Are you going to behave? He stares me down. If you agree, I'll let you walk freely. But if you continue on this disastrous course, my guards will drag you around like a bitch. His lips curl in a snarl, but he says, I'll behave. Good. My queen will be pleased to see you. Queen? Marco's eyes widen. You keep saying that you're serious about marrying her? Just as serious as I was about killing her former groom. I put a hint of steel into my tone. I'll let this little incursion slide, though under the circumstances, this would be a declaration of war between our families. He grimaces a little at that. War isn't a joke, not when the streets run red with blood and make men fall like dominoes. But lucky for you, I've granted you my protection. He couldn't look any more confused. Protection? I turned my gaze to Tony. Get him cleaned up. I have enough to worry about without getting on Sophia's bad side over her too eager brother. Sure thing, boss. Tony walks ahead of the guards. I'll keep an eye on him. I return to the house and bound up the stairs. Something stirs inside me the closer I get to my bedroom doors. She's in there. I can feel her breathing, can almost taste her sweetness on my tongue. I should go. My tailor should be finished with my suit. But the feeling grows, and I realize it's hunger for her. She's to be mine in only a few hours. But I want a taste of my prize now. My men guard her, their eyes straight ahead as they stare down the hall. No one comes in. I don't have to say the words. They already know, but I tell them anyway. Yes, sir. They nod. I raise my knuckles and knock softly. Yes? Her voice lilts through the wood. I swing the doors open, and I'm struck, like a bolt was sent from the heavens. She's wearing only a robe as she sits in front of a mirror. Out, I tell a startled Carlotta. She hurries from the room as I stalk toward my prize. Sophia stands, her doe eyes wide, her lips parted. What? I pull her to me and claim her mouth. Nothing in heaven or hell can stop the need I feel for her. The hunger that runs riot in my blood. This sort of desire seems impossible, dangerous, and all-consuming. I want more of it, 
angling her head. I delve my tongue into her mouth. She makes a small, high-pitched sound and clutches my shirt in her small hands. I sample her, running my hands down the robe, feeling her lush curves as I ravage her mouth. Taking one of her hands, I press it against the front of my pants. She deserves to know what she does to me. A trickle of fear, something foreign to me, runs down my spine when I realize how deeply invested in her I already am. She's my queen, after all. Even so, I intend to own this body and dominate her in every way until she's screaming my name and falling apart beneath me. Her tentative hand slides down my cock and back up again. My hips jerk toward her, and I want to be between her thighs so badly that I groan into her sweet mouth. Pulling back, I look at her bruised lips, her half-lidded eyes. I needed a taste, cara mia. She lets out a little sexy sigh. You kiss like you kill. Perfect. Fuck me. I grip her ass and lift her until she's straddling me. Pinning her against the wall, I take her mouth again, working my will on her as I grind my cock against the heat between her legs. If I don't stop, I'll fuck her right here and now. But it feels too good, her breasts pressed against my chest, her hands gripping my shoulders. I won't claim her all the way until tonight, until she's utterly mine. So I have to let her go, to set her on her feet and back away. It takes every ounce of strength I possess, but I turn and walk to the doors. Be ready for tonight, cara mia, because once you're mine, I will not stop. I will never stop where you're concerned. I open the doors, and before they close, I catch her softly spoken word. Good. Chapter 7 Sophia I hear the door close seconds after I whisper my thoughts out loud. I stand with my robe in disarray, my soon-to-be husband's scent all over me. It's rich with a hint of smoky scotch and power. Can someone really smell like power? Because he did. It rolled off of him in waves. It was consuming. I reach up and press my fingers to my lips. They feel bruised and puffy from the way Nick claimed my mouth. I could taste his desire for me in his kiss, could feel it in my hand as I stroked him through his pants while he ground his hardness in between my legs as I was pinned to the wall. My own pleasure coats the pretty lace panties that I've hidden under my robe for him. I can't help my attraction. I want to believe that it's only because of his vow to keep my brother safe but that reasoning is quickly slipping away. It's something deeper. I want him, 
The same man who killed my husband mere hours ago. The same man who demanded that I marry him. The same man who is the most feared in our world. I desire him more than I imagined possible. I'm counting down the minutes until he slides his ring on my finger and then slides his cock inside of me, making me his. But what if it hurts? I put my thumbnail between my front teeth and worry at it for a moment. Then I stop. Because it's going to happen. And maybe it will hurt, but then? Then I know Nick can make it feel good. The way he kissed me guaranteed it. I'm attracted to him even though he's a killer. Even though he's everything I said I could never love. He's just as steeped in this life as I am. Am I being naive by thinking that he is any different than the men that I grew up with? Maybe. Still, something about him is different. It has to be. Why else would I feel this way? I've never sensed a pull to someone like I have toward him. Sure, my father kept me locked away, but many of his men came and went. None of them ever caught my eye. They never made me think about or desire the things I want Nick to do to me. My cheeks pink at the filthiness that swirls in my mind. Perhaps I'm not the good girl my father raised, but more of a wild spirit like my mother. I bite my lip. His cock was so thick in my hand. I close my eyes and try to imagine what it will look like, how it would fit in my mouth. My thoughts are interrupted when the door opens again. I look up to see Nick standing in the doorway. Cara mia, I forgot one thing, he says as he strides abruptly toward me. Lifting my chin with his finger, he kisses me softly and whispers in my ear, do not touch your sweet pussy. I want your first orgasm to be either on my tongue or my cock. I gasp, realizing I had been touching myself. I pull my fingers from my panties and out of my robe. Do you have cameras in here? I jerk my chin away from him and look around the room. He probably does. I scrunch my nose at him, and I expect him to grab my chin back in his hold, but he doesn't. He only watches me with those assessing eyes that I know can read more than others. I clear my throat. Gross, I'm not into that kinky crap. I'm not, right? Would I want him watching me pleasuring myself? My thighs go up in flames at the thought, and I swallow hard. There are no cameras in here, he says coolly. I've been around enough men to know the things they do. I've seen the women come and go from my father's bedroom. My eyes flick over to the bed where the seamstress placed my dress. But then I look into his eyes again. It's probably stupid, but I believe him. He's telling the truth, which is a relief. His hand comes back to my chin, his touch impossibly gentle. But I will put cameras in here if I find out you're touching yourself. I might not always be able to stop you from doing it, but I would at least enjoy the pleasure of watching you. My nipples tighten under the silk robe just thinking about him watching me get myself off. It's as if he can read my filthy fantasies. I doubt he could watch me any other way than looking at it on a screen. Otherwise, he'd be all over me. I can see it in his eyes now. He's fighting the urge to toss me onto the bed and have his way with me. I bet he's been fighting himself since we first arrived here. 
Earlier, he almost caved, then left. But he came back, the same fire in his eyes. He wants me so badly that I can almost taste it. The thought makes me feel more powerful than I ever have in my life. I narrow my eyes. How many women have you had in this room? I'm not sure I want to lie in the same bed you've had others in. I'd prefer that you kept your mistresses elsewhere. I jerk away from his hold once again. I'm a child testing my boundaries. I know it, but I feel powerful for once, and I want to see how much I can get away with. I walk over to the bed and grab my dress. Just the thought of you with someone else here is ruining this dress. That's the second gown of mine you've destroyed in one day, I scold. Then I wait for it. I'm ready for his anger to unleash, but a smirk pulls at his lips. It almost looks unnatural on his face. Only you and Carlotta are allowed in my room, he says coolly. Oh. I drop the dress back down. I know he's telling the truth. He has no reason to lie. His smirk grows, as if he's won the battle we were just having. But I can't let him have the last word. Well, you and Carlotta will need to do that elsewhere from now on. I'm not into threesomes either, I say sourly, knowing my words are utterly ridiculous. He does the last thing I expect him to do. He throws back his head and laughs. You think I'm fucking Carlotta? He continues to laugh. The rich sound vibrates through my body. I turn my back to him so that he doesn't see the jealousy that's written all over my face. No, I don't think he's sleeping with Carlotta, but it was the idea of him sleeping with anyone now that he's going to be my husband that bothers me. He didn't say anything about the mistress comment. I know it's dumb and hopeless to want faithfulness from a man like Nick, but I do all the same. I feel him come up behind me. His hand grabs my hip, and he turns me to face him. I look up into his heated eyes. Caramia. His lips lightly brush mine. Carlotta is like a mother to me. She's been with my family for a long time. A mother? For what has to be the hundredth time today, my thoughts go to my own mom. Yes, my mother died when I was very young. Carlotta has been there for me ever since. He pulls back a little, his eyes still intense, though now a little sad. What about yours? She left. I hate the sound of those words. When I was little, she left me. One day she was there, the next she was gone. She just left without a word? Yes. I can't believe I still feel the old hurt. But I know she loved me. Your father doesn't know where she went? No, or at least he won't let me ask or talk about it, I shrug. So either he doesn't know, or he does know, but won't tell me. Hmm. He seems to have a thought, one that doesn't pass his lips. What? Nothing. He moves closer again. Tell me more about how you think I'm fucking sweet old Carlotta, he says with a devilish smirk. I was teasing, mostly. My words are deflated now. I see he's going to hold a different kind of power over me, jealousy. I was hoping my last husband would have many mistresses so he'd bother me less, maybe even forget about me. 
There will be no mistresses. I can promise you that. He reads me so easily. He's not smirking now, though. He finds no amusement in my hurt or jealousy. I said I know men, and I do. Bad ones like my father. But I realize now that I've never known a man like Nick da Vinci. His lips come to mine once more, and I let him take my mouth. The things he can do with his tongue curl my toes, and I find it difficult to think when he holds me tight and masters me so easily. I break our kiss before things go too far, and I do end up on this bed. I need to get ready, if you want this wedding to happen tonight. He steps back slightly, lifting both of my hands to his mouth. I can smell your sweet scent on your fingertips, he says, before he takes one into his mouth. A low growl comes from deep inside of him. Remember what I said, Karamia. No touching. With those words, he drops my hands and turns, leaving me to get ready. Chapter 8 Nick Marco approaches down the hall, his eyes on me. Only a hint of murder in them. At least his lip is repaired, the split almost unnoticeable. She's getting ready for tonight, I caution him. Knock first. Turning, I tell my men. He can come and go as he pleases. To you, he is part of the family. I'm a Skalingi. He puffs his chest out. Look, kid. I keep my voice as even as I can. I'm sure you're tough as fuck over at the Skalingi house, but here, you are my guest. I expect you to act accordingly. I'm free to leave? He challenges. Damn, this kid is full of piss and vinegar. I was probably a lot like him when I was his age. But that was over a decade ago. What are you, 17? 18? 15? His pride could choke an elephant, and his defiance reminds me of his sister. The tilt of his head, the look in his eye. Perhaps he got those traits from my Sophia. Even so, he needs to know who is the master of this house. All right, 15. Behave. Everyone here knows the score. You're my bride's brother. Keep your shit tight and everything will be fine. You can't just take her like this. He steps to me, not in my space, not quite begging for me to hit him, but close. Did you make that objection when your father sold her to Antonio Toscani? I stepped to him, in his space, begging him to make a move, because I'm nobody's bitch. I want this kid to like me, to eventually see me as a brother, but I don't take shit, not even from him. His gaze darts away and then back to my eyes. I told my father to leave her alone, to let her do what she wanted. Now, there's a notion. What did she want? I mean... He shrugs and eyes me suspiciously, but continues. She always liked to write, 
not books. But she had a million magazines and loved to read culture stuff, clothes and shit, art, whatever the newest trends are. She would write? The idea piques my interest. I intend to spend plenty of time learning about my bride, examining every bit of her to try and understand this insatiable need for her and the lightning-fast connection we have. But getting a head start never hurts. Yeah. He seems to loosen up just a little, his shoulders not so high, his temper fading. I step back. Stories? Like, she'd, I guess, sort of pretend she worked for those magazines or websites, and she'd write her own little essays. You read them? Pfft, I don't read that shit. He looks at the burly guards outside her door. Too, um, girly. I'm not into that, just porn for me. And mechanic magazines, motorcycles, stuff like that. I smirk. He's read her work. He continues. But I know she's a good writer. You'd think she was in some penthouse in New York or going to that Fashion Week bullshit. That's how good she is. But she wasn't allowed to do what she wanted. He frowns, his young face momentarily turning into a much older one. Our father would have flipped if he'd known. So she hit it, and eventually she stopped. Why? Because my father decided she'd be better as a bride to the Tuscanis than anything else. When she found out he'd promised her to Antonio, he meets my gaze. She just stopped. Interesting. I file away that information, intending to take it out and look at it later. There's even more to Sophia than I imagined, and it only makes me want her more. But I promised her, and myself, that I would wait. No matter how badly I want to go in there and speak to her, kiss her, fuck her, make her moan, I won't. This union is going to be holy. And then, I'm going to make our bond so solid that nothing will ever shake it. What do you think you'll get out of taking her like this? The swagger is back, as if Marco just remembered he's supposed to be playing the heavy. A queen. I can't put it any more directly. You mean a plaything? No, I mean that she will be my equal that we will rule this family and the Tuscanis, and that we will seek blood and retribution against anyone who crosses us. Why? He runs a hand through his dark hair. You killed her husband and then stole her. That's never going to work. Empires were built on less. I smile, but I know it's cold. The only one who seems to be able to warm me is behind my bedroom door, her panties wet and her cheeks pink. She isn't some spoil of war. He puts more force in his voice. I agree. And I think you'll find that... 
The bedroom doors open, and Sophia steps out, her eyes going to her brother. Marco! She runs to him, and he catches her in his arms. The surge of jealousy is out of place. First, because I'm not a jealous man. Second, because it's her brother. But I'm beginning to think that first point is false when it comes to Sophia. I've never been jealous before, but she brings it out in me. I almost want to order my men to keep their fucking eyes down whenever she walks by. Because she's mine. Mine to love, mine to hold, mine to watch, and definitely mine to fuck. She's got this hold on me, as if it's been there my whole life, and I've only been waiting to find it. Now that I have, I'm never letting it go. Oh my god, Marco, you're here. She hugs him. You're really here, and you're safe. I'm fine. Are you all right? I'm okay. How did you get here? Does father know? She pulls back and inspects his face. Hey, what happened to your lip? I'll let you two talk. I say the words, despite the fact that I want to rip her away from him and lock her in my room so I can make my mark all over her. It's her brother. I remind myself. You're leaving? She asks. The innocence in her tone. The trust and longing. Fuck me. I'm done for. Dante was on point when he said I'm off the market for good. Because when she asks me like that, like she wants me to stay forever, I can't seem to find words. So instead of speaking... And giving myself away, I simply nod and head down the stairs. She needs time with her brother, and I need to ensure that the wedding will go as planned. My tailor hurries over to me, the tux draped across his thin arms. Please, sir, once more. All right. I wave him to my office right as Dante enters the front door with a buxom blonde on his arm. Boss, I'd like you to meet Ava Carnegie. Miss Carnegie? I stride to her and shake her warm hand. Welcome. Uh, thanks? She looks around. But I'm not sure why I'm here. You're a guest. I smile, and she recoils a little. I know I'm a handsome man, but I also have a little something extra, a coldness that seemed to have settled in when I made my first kill at 14. I'm a predator, and whenever there's prey around, they can sense it. By the way Miss Carnegie is gawking at me, I can see she's prey, the easy kind. No wonder Lorenzo Scalingi went after her. A guest? She swallows hard. Of course. I waver toward the front sitting room. Please make yourself at home. The ceremony will start in about an hour. Carlotta will see to your needs. As if summoned by the mention of her name, Carlotta appears from the back hallway. 
come now, Miss Carnegie. I'll sit with you for a spell. I've heard your hot cross buns are the talk of the neighborhoods when Easter rolls around. Miss Carnegie is visibly relieved, the crow's feet at the corners of her eyes smoothing out as she latches onto Carlotta's warmth. Well, yes, it's a family recipe. I pulled Dante aside. Anyone see you take her? He smirks. Everyone. I pat him on the back. Good. Tell the men that trouble is on its way. Be ready. I pause and glance up the stairs to where my sweet bride awaits. But I don't care if World War III breaks out, I will marry Sophia Scalingi tonight. Chapter 9 Sophia I hold my brother close. He's here. Are you really okay? I reach up, cupping his face and peering at his freshly split lip. Soph, I'm fine, he says, pulling my hand down. I bite my lip to keep from smiling, having forgotten we are still in the hallway and guards linger about. He doesn't want me babying him in front of everyone. I can't help myself. He will always be a baby in my eyes. Come, I motion for him to enter my room. His eyes roam around, taking everything in. Our own home is nothing to turn your nose up at, but Nick's is something else altogether. It's in a league of its own. It reminds me of a giant freaking castle. Everything in it is elegant, but not overdone. It's breathtaking without being boastful. I've been too wrapped up in Nick to care about any of my surroundings until now, when I see my brother processing it all. The doors close behind us, and I turn and point at his mouth. Who did this to your lip? It was my own doing. I raise an eyebrow at him. He shrugs. Really it was. I might have tried to scale the wall to this place, he says sheepishly. Marco, I smack his chest. It's then I see I still have on my wedding ring from my first husband. I should take it off. I'm surprised Nick hadn't stripped it from my finger. It feels like an unwanted weight, a reminder that my life could have been on a different course if it weren't for Nick. Even though I'm not sure what path he plans to lead me down, I know it will be better than the previous one. It has to be. I won't let myself think otherwise right now. I had to try and get to you. His brows draw together to save you from that monster. His reputation is even worse than Antonio's. He's done bad things, Soph. He's a bad man. I couldn't just let him take you. I drop my hand from his chest. I knew he would try to find me. It's one of the reasons that I'd immediately calmed down once Nick gave me his vow to protect Marco. Without that, I shudder at the thought of what would have happened to Marco if he came onto this property without Nick's vow of protection. Doing stupid things gets you dead, I remind him. My life's purpose would be gone. Marco is why I make all the sacrifices. I want him to be able to lead the life that he wants to. It was easier when he was younger because he wasn't old enough for my family to start using him. I miss those days. 
Once he hit his teenage years, I began worrying constantly. I lived in fear for his life. I have to sacrifice myself to keep him safe. At least, that's what I told myself this morning. Life is starting to feel like there could be more to it for me. But I can't let my mind go there either. I've learned hope does you no good when you're surrounded by men like these. The question of what sort of man Nick is still remains undetermined. Will he end up being like Antonio? Maybe he'll act the same as my father and grandfather as soon as he gets what he wants from me. He doesn't seem to be that way, but it's only been a few hours since we met. For all I know, Nick is putting on a show so he doesn't have a bride kicking and screaming down the aisle. Again, that doesn't add up, since I've already assured him that I'd marry him if he kept my brother safe. There's no reason for him to continue doing all these extra nice things for me, unless he wants to. I may even refer to the way Nick is treating me as sweet, but that word never feels right in places like this. I'm sorry. I freaked when I heard what happened. Marco runs his hands through his shaggy hair that could use a cut. He always does the same thing when he's nervous. You're tell. I jerk my chin at his ruffled hair. He drops his hand at the reminder. It's not that I care if he has a tell, but in our lifestyle, that isn't an option. I don't want others to pick up on it. Lorenzo wasn't doing shit but freaking out. I wasn't waiting around. He stands taller as he says Lorenzo, refusing to call him dad. I've been trying to be stern with him, but I break and hug him again. I'll have to remember to thank Nick for giving me this time with my brother, and for keeping his word. You shouldn't have put yourself in danger. I can handle myself, okay? I may be some princess from a locked tower, but I picked up on plenty just watching and listening to all the dirty business Lorenzo was up to. I'm not naive. Well, not as much as you think. I went into the marriage with Antonia with my eyes wide open, and I'm doing the same now. But maybe this time, there could be more. More? With Nick da Vinci? His eyes narrow. They are scared of him. They don't say it, but I saw it all over Pasquale's and Lorenzo's faces. I swallow hard. It's tough to imagine the people you fear being afraid of something. If the Scalingis are scared, then there's a reason behind it. I'll be married to that reason by the end of the night. The thought should frighten me, but Nick hasn't shown me anything that would make me feel afraid. He's been kind to me. I don't tell him that I agreed to marry Nick if he vowed to keep Marco safe. I have to be married. That's the way it is. You know it and I know it. Fuck, I hate this shit. He yells the last part. Mrs. Da Vinci? A hard knock sounds on the door before it swings open. One of the guards stands outside. Are you okay? His eyes flick from me to my brother. Not Mrs. Da Vinci yet. My brother turns to face the guard. I grab his shoulder to pull him back. He's going to get himself hurt if he doesn't lock it up. Marco only takes a step back on his own accord. I don't actually think I could move him unless he let me. Out, I tell the guard, motioning with my hand. 
I'm surprised when all he does is nod and close the door, actually following my order. We stand there for a moment in silence. He listened to you. That's unexpected. Marco lets out a long sigh. I think it might be in relief. Look, Soph, everyone is scared of Nick da Vinci. He turns to look at me. I can't get anyone to tell me specifics. They just cross themselves or whisper about all the men he's killed. He's not a good man. You need to know what you're getting yourself into. I wait for a chill to run through my body, but all I feel is warmth. I don't know if I should be thankful for that or not. Am I letting my guard down too easily? Maybe. But what is there to lose? Your heart, my mind whispers. Walk me down the aisle? I ask with only slightly forced brightness. What's the point of dwelling on all the bad stuff that comes with my groom? The reality is that it's going to happen. I only know that I don't have to coat myself in numbness like I did before I was to marry Antonio. With Nick, I don't feel like a death row inmate walking toward my execution. That has to mean something. You want me to give you away? That would be spitting in our fa- He stops and corrects himself, Lorenzo's face. Nick said I could have whatever I wanted, I shrug, and I want you to walk me down the aisle. A knock sounds at the door. Yes, I call out. Carlotta pushes open the door. Shall I help you into your dress? She asks. Yes, please. I glance to my brother. Wait outside a moment. He leans down and kisses my cheek. I whisper, keep your smart mouth shut. Don't ruin my wedding day. We both smile at the quite literal double entendre. It would be an honor to walk you down the aisle, Soph. I pray it's to a man that will never harm a hair on your head. He turns and leaves. I watch him go, understanding his reservations. He wants to be at my side, but he doesn't want to be the one to hand me over to a man who will hurt me. It's one thing for him to watch it be done, the way he did this morning with Antonio. It's another to be the person who does it. I like you like this. It's more fitting. Carlotta fusses with the dress. You don't need all that makeup. Thank you. I let the robe slip off as Carlotta helps me step into my gown. It fits like a dream. The silky material molds to my body, making me feel beautiful. Carlotta smiles so big at me, looking like a proud mom. It makes my eyes water thinking about my own mother. Beautiful. She clutches her hands in front of her. I turn to look in the giant mirror that sits in the corner of the room. This time, I actually do feel beautiful for my wedding. My heart rate picks up as I wonder what Nick will think when he sees me. Carlotta steps up behind me. Will these work? I let out a small gasp when I see the heels she has dangling in her fingers. Every inch of them is covered in diamonds. I lift my dress and she helps me put them on. I drop the dress back down and check the mirror to make sure I only catch small glimpses of the heels. They're so over the top, I don't want them taking away from the gorgeous gown that Nick let me choose. Everything pairs well together and I feel excited to get married this time. It's an odd feeling under the circumstances, one that I don't even understand myself. 
You come down when you're ready. Carlotta gives my hand a small squeeze before leaving the room. My brother stands in the doorway. You look amazing. He holds out his hand for me. I take it. We could make a run for it. He raises an eyebrow. The two guards at my door don't look so amused at his joke. At least, I think it's a joke. I'd never make it in these heels, I tease and slip my arm into his. He guides me down the stairs. Do you know where we're going or how this is happening? I ask when we reach the bottom. I notice the two guards are following us, but they keep a good distance. Not a fucking clue. You and that mouth, I shake my head. Marco mumbles an apology. We stand there for a moment, not sure where to go. I glance toward two double doors where I think I might hear voices. I head that way and grab the handle. Maybe you shouldn't just, I pull open the door. Open random doors, Marco finishes the last part under his breath. Six men all in suits turn to look my way. My soon-to-be husband sits behind a desk, and I know I've interrupted a meeting. I can feel all the blood drain from my face. I know better than to open closed doors when I hear voices behind them. You never interrupt a meeting, ever. I learned that lesson young in life. It was one my mom ingrained in me. My eyes meet Nick's as he stands. His gaze travels down my body, the roguish smile on his face telling me he likes the dress. Caramia. The whole room is quiet as he steps around his desk. Come to me. He holds his hand out and motions for me to enter his office. I should have, he tisks, his dark eyes on me. You need not knock on any door in your own kingdom, my queen. I smile and step into his office. Suddenly, I feel lighter. Come to me. He motions with his fingers again. I know everyone is watching us. If it was only the two of us, I would play coy and push the lines. But with everyone watching, I go to him and place my hand in his. If I am going to be his queen, I'll have to choose wisely when I want to play those games. For now, I leave them for another time. Hey, we're back. Hey. So we already told you all the promo. So remember to go to readmeromance.com to enter the giveaway and go check out Megan Kendall Unlimited. Yes. And we'll be back on Friday with more. We'll be back with more good stuff. More good stuff. All right, Leah, yeah. tell them what to do. <laughs> this is our first time recording. So okay, guys. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read.